Hello, and welcome to episode nine of In the Dirt by the Gravel Ride podcast. I'm your host, Craig Dalton. I'll be joined shortly by my co-host, Randall Jacobs. This week's podcast is brought to you by you. Huh? What does that mean? Well, the Gravel Ride podcast is mostly listener-supported via our membership program and one-time donation program at buymeacoffee.com slash thegravelride. If you check out that URL, you'll see I've got a number of perks for members as well as one-time purchases that hopefully will add to your enjoyment of the gravel cycling scene. Now I know it takes a couple minutes to put down your phone, maybe go over to your computer, or even look up that URL on your phone. But it means a ton to me as a podcaster to get that kind of support from you, the listener, just to cover our overhead costs. As you can imagine, this isn't a particularly money-making venture. It's really a labor of love. So thanks so much for the support at buymeacoffee.com slash thegravelride. We're on to another amazing episode that you may want to re-listen to. I think our last episode about bicycle maintenance were super well-received, and it was natural for us to tackle everyday carry. What are the things you bring on a ride with you in this current episode? So with that said, let's dive right into my conversation about everyday carry with my co-host, Randall Jacobs. Randall, good to see you today. Likewise, Craig. How are you on this fine day? I'm uh, apparently getting older, according to the calendar. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, for everyone listening, Craig's uh, just had his 50th birthday. So a uh, should we sing happy birthday to you right here on the pod, or we'll spare the audience? I think we'll spare the audience. I've heard you <laughs> sing before, Randall, and it's probably not going to be good for people's ears. But yeah, I turned 50. I went up to a little town called Inverness with my wife and son. And we stayed in a retro RV, so kind of like an Airstream type um, Airbnb place up in this little town called Inverness, where just mainly known for its paddling um, out there in the bay and uh, just serenity. So it was nice to just get away for a couple of days. I really haven't gone anywhere throughout the pandemic meaningfully, so it was just nice to disconnect. And actually, although I brought the bike, I didn't even bother riding it. It was just so peaceful being with the family. There's there's uh, definitely time for like just resting and leaving the bike where it is, maybe going for a walk or a stroll or something like that. So feeling rested. Yeah, it's quite it's quite an interesting time of year. I mean, given you know in October in any given year, we might have put a lot of mileage, a lot of events, a lot of adventures underneath us. And while I've certainly had adventures of my own here in Marin on the bike, it's been quite a different year. So it's it's interesting kind of thinking about what's next and what the off season quote unquote is going to look like for me. I mean, given the conditions in the Bay area, uh, my understanding is that you're back up to a, uh, you know, an AQI in the one, one sixties or a PM 2.5 level for, for air quality of in the one sixties, which, uh, which is to say like, it seems like now's your down season and you'll be riding in the rain more than you are in the smoke. Yeah, that's what I've been thinking about. And I also, you know, I always like to commit to a little bit different program, towards the end of the year, just to kind of get a more well-rounded physique and health. So maybe this is the year I actually, you know, go back to some of those recordings we did with uh, Gabriel talking about yoga, or maybe um, Celine Yeager when she was talking about strength training. I really should just kind of set myself up in the hopes that we're going to have a fantastic 2021. Well, and you're right near the trails too. So you can run from your house up the trails and do a nice little trail run, do a little body re- weight resistance workout and so on and be pretty fit in a, 
with a very small time commitment, which is what I've been doing uh, where I am uh, just outside of Boston here for these past few weeks. Yeah. And the other big thing for me is um, I'm actually moving down to Southern California for the next three months. So I'm going to be based out of Topanga, which I'm excited about because it's a community very similar to Mill Valley in terms of its proximity to a wealth of trail opportunity. But I'm excited to get down there and explore. I'm down there for some unfortunate family reasons, but I'm excited to interact with cyclists down in that neck of the woods and really get to know an area that I've touched on enough to know I'm plenty happy riding down there. So it's going to be kind of cool. And I'll do a little specific outreach to listeners about trails I should try to find and adventures I should try to have while I'm down there because, you know, nothing beats local insight on this stuff. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, so we recorded a, a real popular episode on bike maintenance 101 for gravel bikes a couple weeks back, and it was really well regarded. We got a lot of input into our Facebook forum, a lot of uh, kind of notes on social media, which is fun and great to see. Yeah, it's uh, super gratifying, though. I, w- I want to give a particular call out to whomever um, was uh, saying that he wants to see the picture of me carrying the extra frame that I bring on my rides because we were talking about all the, the things we bring along the way. Uh, we're going to go through a list of all the things we bring today. That is not one that I've brought along before, but, uh, very, very funny to the, that person in the, uh, in the forum. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) And I do want to say, like, I was given a little bit of crap for not having a chain measurement tool and I'm holding in my hand, my first chain measurement tool um, that I got. It's, uh, it's from our friends over at Topeak and, so I've got it in hand now. I'm going to test my chains and I'm going to stay on top of that little tip, which for the listener who didn't catch the last episode, we just recommend staying on top of your chain maintenance because if you can reins- if you can put a new chain on um, earlier than when it's completely destroyed, you're going to save your chain rings and cassettes. Yeah. And in fact, having an extra chain on hand at all times so that there's no excuse for you letting it go because chains are cheap. You can get a decent chain for 15, 20 bucks. Cogs, you know, cassettes and, and, and chain rings are expensive. So uh, you should be able to go through several chains before you have to swap that. Yeah, you guys should think about like adding a check mark, mark on uh, checkout for your bikes to add an extra chain in the box. I would love to do that, but uh, SRAM will not allow us to sell their chains aftermarket. So you have to buy through their uh, distribution channels. Okay, well, we won't uh, dig into that one because that could yeah. be a potentially sore subject. <laughs> well, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. I mean, they, they serve us well with our other components. I think it was a natural transition to this week's and, and we got a little bit of feedback in the forum about this. It's kind of like, what's your everyday carry? So we talked mm-hmm. about bike maintenance. We talked about the tools and, and lubricants you might want to have in the garage. But what do you bring with you on a gravel bike ride? And probably for most riders, there's kind of your, your daily or weekly ride that's an hour to three hours. And then there's those days when you're setting off for an all day, eight hour adventure. So I thought it'd be cool to just kind of talk about everyday carry and what you bring on your bike. Let's do it. Yeah. So I actually, in order to be truly honest with the listener, I just went to my bike an hour ago and I took (laughs) everything off because I think in my mind, there's certain things that I'm bringing and in reality, there's not. So I'm going to go through, I mean, I feel like I've got a decent kit, but I've got um, an Allen wrench set And by looking at it, it's clearly from about 25 years ago. 
It's quite old, um, but it has sort of two millimeter through six millimeter on it, but it's almost falling apart. So I'm a little bit ashamed of this little guy. Nice little iron oxide patina on the wrenches there. Exactly. And you couldn't see it, but it's a little bit jingly and loose. I feel like it's about to come apart. I carry uh, a single but beefy tire lever because I've found that generally I can get my tires off with this one. I do carry a, a mini pump. Um, this happen, happens to be a Lazine pocket drive pump. Um, I carry a CO2 and obviously an inflation chuck for that CO2. And then I've got a, a Dyna plug. And then I've got my spare inner tube. Yeah. That's, so I, the way I'm configuring this right now in this setup, I've got the spare inner tube on the back of the bike behind the saddle. And then I'm using an or not handlebar bag. And I've got a plastic bag that I kind of wrap all my kit in. Mm-hmm. I also kind of disassemble everything and put it into a quarter frame bag when I'm looking to also carry jackets and things like that. But that is my basic setup. And much to my chagrin, as I opened up my spare inner tube, I actually discovered I carry a second CO2 that I've jammed in there. So I thought I was out there with just one, but I'm probably better off having the two that I have in the bag. So not too, not too bad. I'll give you a solid B in terms of preparedness. <laughs> I mean, I'll take that. I'll take that. And, and after we're done here, I do have a couple upgrades that getting thinking about this has encouraged me to do. So where, where, what are my shortcomings? Let's talk about what you generally carry on yourself. Well, so I, I wanted to kind of start just by talking about like storage methods um, and kind of preferences and then like go into what goes into them. So like if you're a roadie, you can oftentimes get away with your jersey pockets if you stuff them because generally you're on roads and you're not, you know, the, the types of things that can go wrong are not as, as, as uh, numerous as what generally can go wrong on a gravel ride. Uh, it's just not as demanding. Uh, oftentimes you're closer to say cell service or, um, you know, the, you know, the ability to, to call a Lyft or an Uber, though maybe not in a pandemic. Um, but, uh, and otherwise like access to civilization, whereas on a gravel ride, like I'm, I'm getting out and oftentimes don't have coverage. Uh, so, you know, Jersey pockets, uh, for me are, are kind of out. I don't like stuffing them. You know, I'll put my phone in there at the most, uh, saddlebags, where, you know, they work for a couple small items, but uh, I find them entirely insufficient uh, in terms of volume. And if you get one that with enough volume, it's swinging around, it's getting in the way of me trying to get off the back, uh, you know, so that's no good. Um, it's funny bar- that you mentioned that. It's funny that you mentioned that, Randall, because I, I sort of thought that the rear kind of behind the seat was going to carry everything I needed. But to your point, like for gravel cycling, it, it has never exclusively served the purpose at best, yeah. I've got a few items back there, and I've had to store other things elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's f- fine for um, like your basic commuting supplies, and maybe for road. Though there, I think there are more elegant ways to store things on your on your dedicated road bike. Uh, then there's uh, bar bags, which I've seen explode in popularity. I don't actually care for them very much, um, and I'll I'll tell you why. I, I find that they generally they they flop around a lot. Um, it's not centralizing the mass. It's kind of high and forward on the steering. And oftentimes they'll attach in such a way that they're pushing a, a cable or something into the head tube and causing rub and wear. Uh, so those are all things I, I want to avoid. Uh, so from, for me, my go-to is frame bag. Um, I'm riding one from uh, our friend Mark at, at Post Carry. I've mentioned this before. 
Uh, and, you know, it's, it's tight, it centralizes the mass, everything is accessible while I'm riding, and I can fit, I can jam quite a bit of stuff in there. Uh, so I'm, I'm all for that as the, the storage method. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I use an or not mini bar bag, which I think avoids some of the issues you're describing. Obviously, mm-hmm. like it's not my favorite place to add mass, but I do like them. I think they're fun and cool looking and, and provide some utility, particularly if you're using it just for like extra clothing during the winter out there. But I do agree with you on the on the frame bags, I've sort of been enamored with this category for a while. I'm using a Revelate quarter frame bag, which I think is, I, I that and the the uh, post carry bag, I think they just give the bikes a real cool look and provide ample, ample storage. I mean, you really can have a big adventure when you can, you don't have to think about it as much. I love throwing an extra jacket in and being the guy who's warm on the descent versus, you know, the, the guy who's minimalizing things and not bringing extra gear with them. Well, in terms of having minimal impact as well on aerodynamics, like it's tucked right behind the head tube. So if anything, it might even be slightly improving, though I'm guessing it's, it's probably pretty neutral. Um, and just having it, you know, not having any f- real meaningful effect on mass distribution. Uh, yeah. because it's so I've been a little... I've been a little bit curious about the kind of um, frame bags that are going behind the head tube, but are not a full quarter. They're just kind of up front and provide a little bit more size. I feel mm-hmm. like I could probably use one of those every once in a while. I suspect my defaults generally always going to be back to that quarter frame bag just because it's so ample. But I do, I do an M attracted to those kind of smaller bags up front behind the head tube that are possible underneath the top tube. Yeah, I think those are smart. And I've also seen a design, I can't recall who um, who makes it, that um, would essentially fills the space behind the head tube and um, behind the head tube and above the bottles. And so you can keep yeah. your bottle cages in place and you don't have to move those. Uh, and then you have this extra volume there. So I think that that's, that's pretty smart as well. Yeah, I think that's an interesting category. And we're seeing a lot of smaller bag manufacturers kind of explore that area. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I think aesthetics play a lot into this, right? A lot of cyclists have been steeped in the history of what a bike looks like. And a lot of these bags are really, you know, poking that history in the eye and saying, like, let's not think about the historic road aesthetic of things. Let's just think about what's practical. And I think that came to light very quickly for me when I first started gravel cycling in the sort of bento box type solution, because mm-hmm. a lot of times it was challenging to get a hand back behind me into a jersey pocket versus, you know, zipping something a quarter of the way open and then peeling a, you know, a, a gel out or something. Um, it just felt a little easier when it was right there in front of me, something where when you're on the road bike, you got plenty of opportunity to reach behind your back and grab things. Yeah, yeah couple of special mentions. Um, Specialized has their SWAT system, uh, particularly the, the, the version that is uh, essentially taking the down tube bottle cage and creating an opening, like a door into the frame underneath. Uh, and that's great for storage. You can fit quite a bit into those oversized down tubes. Uh, compromise being that you're giving up some you know, stiffness to weight because inevitably you're taking that, that solid tube and you are you know, con- you know, removing a big hole. So you have to add a bunch of material um, just to get it to pass testing, never mind, you know, to try to get it back up to that stiffness. But, you know, for these types of bikes, that can work well. Uh, and then uh, something I was riding for a while, I had uh, a plastic jar, empty jar from uh, a bunch of kimchi that I had purchased. And I was had a bunch of things jammed in there. And then I had it in a bottle cage on the bottom of my down tube. 
uh, held in place with a toe strap. And that actually was really, really effective. And the, cent- and the mass is very low and centered on the bike. Uh, so that was great until I got this frame bag. And then, you know, the frame bag, um, you know, definitely, definitely is, is better. But I mean, it was like five bucks and I got free, free kimchi with it. So that was a pretty good deal. <laughs> you know, actually, I'd, I'd, I've always loved the idea of the tool keg, but I've bounced them out time and time again out of that lower bottle cage because I haven't strapped them in. And I'm, yeah. I've sort of often looked for wanted a better solution for strapping something down there because it is super convenient. And I think the weight is in the right place when it's down there. Yeah. And toe straps are great. And frankly, this is the only thing that a toe strap should be used for on your bike. It certainly shouldn't be used to strap your toe, your foot to a pedal because that's just dangerous. Uh, and if anyone in the audience is riding toe straps on any of their bikes, uh, don't do that. Turn them into flat pedals or get some clipless. That's that's going to be a bad time. If they're tight enough to keep your foot in place, they're tight enough to not allow your foot to exit. <laughs> Public service announcement. We've talked about how to carry things, but we haven't yep. really dug into like what's what are what is in your kit. What are you bringing mm-hmm. with you these days? All right. So the definites are tube, pump, uh, and in my case, I carry a, a higher volume pump that um, doesn't have the same max psi. But you know, even my road wheels are. I'm running at 60 PSI, so that I don't need uh, to be able to go up to 100, 120. Uh, and actually, if you're getting a gravel bike, don't get a roadie pump. It'll take forever to use. Uh, in my case, also, like a multi-tool with, a, in, um, with all the different hex wrenches and Torx wrenches and so on is a must. Uh, in our case, with our bikes, we have a, a bolt-on through axle. So you have to make sure that you have, uh, in this case, it's a 6 mil. And if you don't have that, you can have a tube and a pump. You're not going to be able to, to service it until you can get that through axle off. Uh, let's see. Chain tool, which is built into my multi-tool. Uh, the one I use is, I uh, actually misstated the other day, it's uh, the Crank Brothers F- F15, uh, which, you know, really nicely made tool, uh, you know, precisely uh, machined and so on and has pretty much everything we need for our bikes. Uh, Dynaplug or equivalent uh, I was given my Dynaplug kit and I went to online to look at one for my brother-in-law. I was like, geez, these things are expensive. Uh, so I haven't gone dug- digging around for an equivalent yet, but um, something like that will, you'll definitely encounter scenarios where in a tubeless setup, your sealant will be pouring out and you just can't get it to coagulate to fill a, a void of that, a hole of that size. So the Dynaplug will allow that to happen. You continue to ride, potentially continue riding the tire until it dies. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those things that you you don't you may not have in your kit if you're transitioning from another part of the sport. Mm-hmm. You probably have it if you're a mountain biker, but not if you're a roadie. And it's worth its weight in gold. I mean, I can't tell you how many times this year, probably three times I've plugged holes on the trail and been able yeah. to ride home. Um, and that's worth its weight in gold. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, other other things. So a I bring an extra spoken nipple. Um, and it makes more sense in, in, you know, my case, because our wheels all have one spoke length, front, rear drive, non-drive and so on. So like that one spoke will cover any sort of spoke mishap I could have unlikely to happen, but it's, it's like 5.3 grams. I'm not going to worry about that. Uh, a spoke wrench. So, um, and this is not just a, you know, true a wheel, which is very unlikely with carbon. Um, much more likely with an aluminum wheel, uh, where you might, you know, knock it out of true and need to, to, uh, adjust it to keep it from your tire from rubbing on the, you know, the chain stays or the seat stays. 
But regardless, like if you break a spoke, um, you can oftentimes, if, if you know what you're doing, use the spoke wrench to rebalance the wheel sufficient to get out of where you are and then get a new spoke and have your, your wheel uh, rebuilt appropriately. So that's another I thing fall, I bring. I fall in the camp of I know enough to be dangerous around wheel tensioning and uh-huh. will probably screw it up dramatically. So no spokes in my kit. Yeah, that's that's that one's a little bit more advanced. Definitely want it for bikepacking, though, uh, just because when you do find uh, somebody who can help you, who knows what they're doing, uh, they're very well may not have the particular length you need for your for your wheels. Yeah, I think that's an important sort of point in my setup. I'm talking about my everyday carry. So when I roll out for, you know, up to a four hour or five hour local ride, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily carry anything more than that. But I do think about it differently when I'm on an epic adventure. Like I know, yeah, and yeah. maybe you'll get to this in your conversation part, but uh, you know, last time we talked about the value of having an extra tiny bottle of lube with you on a mm-hmm. big day. Mm-hmm. I don't yep. necessarily bring it out with me on my weekend rides, but definitely when I'm going on an epic adventure, you know I'm going to have it in my kit. Well, I have it all the time. I mean, 30, millimeter, 30 or so milliliters of, of a lubricant weighs damn near nothing. And whatever it's costing you in like power to weight ratio of you and your bike and so on, it's more than making up for in just drivetrain efficiency and just the ride experience. When your drivetrain is dry and covered in schmutz and so on and, and so on, it, it, it just makes for an unpleasant ride. Like I hate that experience of feeling the drivetrain grinding and so on. And I just know like this is going to be expensive. I'm putting in a month's worth of wear in one ride. Uh, so, so lube is something I always have on me. Uh, what else? Let's see. I always bring extra sealant. Uh, I bring an extra 60 milliliter bottle again, just because, uh, I hate having to pop off the wheel and, you know, throw a tube in there. And then I get home, I got to pull out the tube and I got to futz with the thing. Um, I would much rather take, Oh, another thing, valve core removal tool, which is, you know, weighs a gram or two, uh, is in there. So I'd much rather put in my Dynaplug and if I need to add some sealant uh, and then be back on my way, I get moving more quickly. And it, again, weighs of, of little consequence, uh, th- those extra grams. Um, quick link. So having a, a quick link for your chain, this is like a master link. Um, if you are clever with your chain tool, you can actually um, just you know, push a pin almost all the way out of the chain uh, then break the chain and then reassemble it and push the pin back in. Uh, it's not that hard to do. Uh, so I, I actually don't bring a quick link with me because I, I know that technique, but that's a good thing for someone who doesn't know that technique to bring. Uh, and that is, that's pretty comprehensive in terms of like tools and, and bike maintenance supplies uh, off the top of my head. Can you think of anything else? No, I, actually, this is why I wanted to have this conversation with you because I knew there was going to be slight difference between what I carry and feel safe about and what you carry to kind of really cover a little bit more of a swath of situations out there on the road. Mm-hmm. And for me, I mean, my takeaway, I, I do think I want to kind of grab a quick link and put it in my setup. Um, I, you know, your comments about lube definitely ring home. There's it's virtually no weight, but the benefit is huge when you actually need it. I'm going to noodle on the sealant thing. I totally get it. Um, I'm going to noodle on that a little bit, but it's going to be a good upgrade to my kit. I also just got this um, Topeak 2B18 tool to upgrade that terribly old 25-year-old one I had. 
and it's got 18 tools in it. It also has this little container that has some bacon strips in it. So I think the bacon strips can uh, get a little bit yep. bigger than the, mm-hmm. the Dyna plug. So I'm feeling good um, about the addition of this little item into my kit. So with this, the quick link and lube, I think I'm feeling good about what I'm carrying. I've got, I've got one more, which I think we brought up last week, which is a derailleur hanger, um, which I always bring because I ride, you know, particularly because I ride my bike like a mountain bike. Like I'm, I'm riding hard and I, you know, there's nothing worse than like breaking a derailleur hanger or bending it badly and then having your gears jumping around the whole ride home. And that's the sort of thing where, again, it's, it's five, 10 grams. It's not of much consequence. And when you need it, it's there and it's, it's good to have. So I think in terms of like the, the things that I bring that average people maybe don't, we're talking an extra hundred grams of weight. And, you know, that's not going to be what, what slows me down. Right. So the reason we, we talk about everyday carry is because stuff happens out there yeah. on the trail. And I thought it'd be interesting just to kind of share a couple stories about some bad stuff that's happened out on the trails and, and how you recovered from it. <laughs> well, this will, this will, uh, um, lead into a few more supplies that I tend to bring as well <laughs> based on, based on those lessons learned. Uh, all right. So let's see. Um, a few years back, I was riding out in Bishop in around New Year's. So Bishop, California. Uh, it's an area in uh, surrounded by the Eastern Sierras to the west and the uh, the Whites to the east. And I rode up, uh, I think it was Silver Canyon Road, this like rugged, rugged Jeep trail. I was working at Specialized at the time, and the bike that I was in my stable was a Specialized Allay that I threw some 28 mil slicks on. And I went up this Jeep trail starting at about 5,000 feet and uh, I was planning on cresting around 10,000 and then dropping down the backside and hitting a road of, of unknown uh, quality and then descending on road, hopefully back into town. Uh, sun started to go down and I had been, I'd gotten up to about seven or 8,000 feet and started, you know, crossing snowpack in my road shoes. And I was like, oh, this, this is probably not going to continue very long. So you get through that snowpack and you keep going up and up and up. And uh, needless to say, you know, sun's going, it starts going down, it starts getting cold. I still haven't found that road that I'm looking for. I'm at like 9,000 plus feet and uh, temperatures are dropping quick. And so I turn around, start bombing down. Uh, I'm freezing. So extra clothes, definitely something to bring like a windbreaker vest, sleeves, leggings, and so on. Uh, I actually throw a space blanket in when I'm going for properly epic rides sometimes. Uh, and then I think I, I flatted twice and I had, uh, one spare tube and a patch kit and, (laughs) and yeah, so, uh, having, having, you know, good repair materials for, for that. And then finally, um, I mean, the obvious thing that I screwed up on was, was general reconnaissance on that ride and, uh, showing up on an LA for a ride that I then repeated the next year on a dual suspension mountain bike and got three flats. So this was a properly rugged road. Uh, so yeah, so that's, that's, uh, where I've learned some lessons. Nice. Yeah. I think, I feel like you need to have a couple of those rough, rough outings technically without the right tools to remind you that like these things can be worth their weight in gold when you have them in their bag. I, a couple stories when I was thinking about this came to mind. 
I mentioned the Trans Rockies gravel race that's being introduced next year and that I had done the Trans Rockies mountain bike race up in Canada, you know, probably a decade ago. And I remember at the starting line looking around and people had a lot of stuff with them. I saw people with full on mountain bike tires duct taped to their frame, extra tires. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, what am I getting myself into? And we started, I think it was probably about 7,000 feet in the first day. We climbed to about nine. And this is in the summertime in Canada, but we, we hit snow. And of course, we're in the middle of this traverse in snow, and my racing partner cuts his sidewall, and we're like, oh man, this is before tubeless tires, but pretty substantial cut, and you have to finish every single day to continue in the stage race. So we we scrambled with frozen hands. I think I chowed down a cliff bar to get a really solid wrapper to boot his tire, and we slowly changed it and got it going, and... Uh, and finished that day. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I looked at that guy like he was an idiot for strapping a tire to his bike, but it maybe is not a bad idea when you're going out in the Canadian wilderness all day. Oh, hells yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean, definitely start with like a tire with a more robust casing for those sorts of adventures. Um, but you see that, uh, I actually first saw that, uh, a buddy of mine and I were doing some like backcountry stuff around, uh, Downeyville. And uh, he had a tire, you know, kind of wrapped up and taped behind his his uh, head tube. I was like, oh, that's that's clever. And that'll definitely come in handy. Uh, You know, if something goes awry, you don't want to be caught 15 miles out on the backside of a ridge and, you know, have no no ability to, to get your tire aired up. Yeah, exactly. It's tricky. You know, when I see these guys setting up for events like the Tour Divide and the types of gear that they bring with them, I mean, it's understandable, right? Like you'd hate to sort of have uh, allocated a month of your life or, or whatever you have to to do the Tour Divide and have the fact that you don't have a spoke with you ruin your entire ride. Yeah, especially considering, again, how lightweight a lot of these little add-ons uh, are, a tire being being a heavy one. But um, if I was doing a, an extended bikepacking adventure of any sort, I would be going that route as well. I've got one more funny story to share with you, and it's got nothing to do with tools. And it's in fact, the tool I use to uh, solve the situation everybody's carrying with them. So I was riding in Washington, D.C. in the snow, and the derailleur froze over. And uh, my solution, which I probably don't recommend, was actually peeing on the derailleur. <laughs> oh, you said that on the public channel. <laughs> I know. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? If anybody's actually peed on their derailleur to unfreeze it, please shoot me a note so I don't feel so embarrassed for sharing. Yeah, we, we won't. We won't judge you, Craig. It's not like anyone's listening. <laughs> so we talk about what what we're packing. Uh, you know, to ride. What do you got next in terms of riding? Uh, so this weekend, I'm going actually tomorrow, going for a ride with my brother-in-law, uh, who got one of our bikes uh, a couple of months ago, and it was his actually his first serious bike. Uh, he's been riding a ton, which is super gratifying. Uh, so going out and showing him some of the the rides that I used to link up when I was out here training for cross country racing, uh, and then a couple of other our other riders and and friends in the Boston area. Uh, so that should be a, a really good time. Sweet. Yeah. How about yourself? So, you know, I've been doing this Dawn Patrol ride fairly regularly up Mount mm-hmm. Tam when the, the air quality has been favorable. Um, and it's been really neat. The guys up there have the tagline, always worth it. And, mm-hmm. you know, their, their, their point has become even more poignant to me lately 
both with the smoke and we unfortunately learned that a, a Bay Area cyclist was killed in a car accident, someone that a lot of people in Marin knew, a guy named Todd Schoberg died um, in the northern part of Marin in a car accident. So it just sort of reminded me that, yeah, it is always worth it. And certainly with like these dawn patrol rides where I've got to ride an hour and 20 minutes before sunrise in order to get there and see the point where the sun is going to peak over the East Bay and onto Mount Tam. Um, It's just magical being up there. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we went up there on Wednesday and sure enough, Wednesday night and Thursday, the smoke came in. So again, it was sort of like, you know, you got to take in the moments that you can and you got to get out as hard as it can be to answer the call of the alarm and squeeze a ride in someday with all of our responsibilities at home and with families. Um, it's important to get out there. So Sunday, air quality withstanding, we're going to go up to, on TAM for sunrise and just honor Todd, one of our fa- fallen brethren. Um, I hate hearing these stories. You know, we all it, it's a, just a fact of life as you get older. You sort of know and are acquainted with more people who pass away. But, you know, I hate to, to lose someone in an accident. It's just, it's awful. Well, it uh, sounds like a lovely, uh, lovely tribute to a member of the community. Uh, so I, I hope you guys have a, a lovely ride on that day. Yeah, I hope it really pans out. And again, for everybody listening, just get out there and ride. You never know what's around the next corner. Go out there and have some adventures. We've now armed you with everything you need to know about what to pack for said adventure. So go out there and have fun. (laughs) I make no claims of this being an exhaustive list. (laughs) So if you get caught out missing something we didn't mention, I blame Craig. (laughs) <laughs> and if you feel if you if you feel like we omitted something major definitely yeah. hit us up in that facebook group or on social media we we love the back and forth in fact snap a picture of how you're carrying your gear Ooh. because i'm always looking for inspiration everybody knows i'm a i'm a bag geek i love the different configurations that can be strapped to these bikes so i'd love to see what's uh what's your configuration uh love it likewise we'd love to see that Cool. Well, right on, Randall. Enjoy the ride this weekend, and I will talk to you soon, my friend. See you in a couple weeks. So that's it for this episode of In the Dirt from the Gravel Ride Podcast. I hope you got a lot out of that. And maybe like me, you're sort of checking out what you're carrying every day and filling those gaps to make sure in those outlier emergencies, you've got a little bit of support packed on your bag. One thing we obviously forgot to mention during the pandemic is always carry a mask with you. It probably goes without saying, but I ride with a buff most of the time. And anytime I'm planning on stopping, I'm also carrying a full proper mask because I want to respect others and those around me. And gosh, I really want to get over this pandemic so we can get back to the adventures that we all know and love. Thank you for all those of you who have visited buymeacoffee.com slash the gravel ride. And also to those of you who have left us a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform. These ratings and reviews are critically important to our discoverability. So if you like what we're doing and you believe it provides benefit to other riders, that's a really easy, no-cost thing for you to do. So thank you again. I look forward to seeing you in our Facebook forum and on the social medias over the next week. We've got some great interview episodes coming up, and we will talk to you soon. Until then, here's to finding some dirt under your wheels. <laughs>